Hello and welcome to Slam Forum Cut, a podcast for developers about building great products. Today, I'm excited to welcome Eric Seidel. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here. Great. So yeah, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm Eric Seidel. I uh, lead the Flutter team at Google. We started the team six and a half years ago, myself and a few other engineers. We uh, just try to build great things for developers help you get to more platforms faster. Great. So yeah, let's get the news out to developers who haven't learned about Flutter yet and introduce them. So can you give us a brief overview? What was the journey for you to start working on Flutter? Yeah, so as I said, this started quite a while ago. I used to work on the Chrome team. That was the first job that I had at Google. I worked on Safari a couple jobs before that, but I worked on the Chrome team, helped build Chrome up, and then eventually after many years, got sort of frustrated with my inability to make the mobile web as amazing as I wanted it to be. And myself and some other engineers, we took Chrome and we cut it apart, cut it to pieces and did an experiment to see how fast we could make it go. We made it go really fast on things that weren't quite the web. And that was enough to sort of seed the project that was Flutter. We ended up building something that wasn't quite the web but we built something that helps developers reach the same number of platforms as say you would by embedding WebKit or, you know, Electron, that kind of thing. So we focused on iOS and Android to start and built a bunch of nice developer affordances along the way. And again, just have tried to help developers to do the job of development easier and faster and reach their customers. We like to say that we help folks start by solving the problem of what do they want to build rather than where do they want to build it, which we see the the games industry having done. And we think it's high time for the apps industry to have the same fun. I don't know if that's a full history by any means, but yeah, we've been doing this about six and a half years. We've been doing it entirely in the open source, which has been normal for me because I've worked on open source my entire career, but I think has been odd for some. And yeah, we're just trying to make developers' lives better every day. Great. I mentioned this during our prep call just a couple of days ago. I saw that Canonical is, let's say, committing that moving forward, they will build all the UI that they are building as part of Ubuntu and probably other products that they have using Flutter. So that seems that desktop is a next big area that you're planning to cover. Yeah, so we've been on the desktop journey for a while. It's interesting, we started with mobile, and then we built something that was portable enough. So Flutter comes from an interesting set of assumptions. We started from the idea that Flutter should work even if you don't have an OS, or even if you don't have a system framework. So it's not that we take the local OS widgets and you know fly them around the screen or whatever, we actually build all of our own. And that was important for Google because Google had a bunch of devices that you know didn't have UI frameworks already. And so we built from that assumption and we focused on iOS and Android, but then others in the world were like, hey, I could use this to build other places. And so a separate team inside Google popped up to build Flutter on the web and a separate team inside Google and in the community popped up to build Flutter for desktop. And the Linux part sort of took off and Canonical took notice. And we have been slowly over the last few years teaching our mobile first framework what a mouse and a keyboard is and helping to bridge that gap so that, again, developers can come and choose a good set of tools that helps make them productive and you know help them get home early, not just on time, and also deploy to all the places that their users are, including now desktop. Hey, everyone. 
Sanford has published an open source book called CICD with Docker and Kubernetes. It combines just the right amount of best practices and practical advice for shipping cloud native apps. Download your free copy today at sanfordci.com. And we talked briefly about that fragmentation that exists for decades. I mean, my first experience was Windows, then I moved into Linux world. There was a GNOME, KDA, Qt. It always felt very fragmented. It never looked the same. If you learn one thing, then there is a problem to learn the other. I remember that also a pretty big source of frustration in the open source world was the language bindings generally. So I want to use Python or I want to use Ruby. Okay, I don't have bindings for this or this new component. It's a pain <laughs> and you have a lot of experience in this area. So you said that it came to you very natural to be responsible for every pixel and to render everything. Can you maybe talk a bit about that journey? It solves a lot of things. I guess it also has a class of problems that you have to deal with, with that approach. Can you maybe give us a bit of a history on that part? Yeah, I think that we always started from the frame of that we're going to draw every pixel. I think one of my sort of frustrations on the web was always control. So again, I love the web. I've worked on the web for forever. And, you know, Flutter is now finally coming back to the web now that we have a Flutter web. But the web also poses challenges, as has desktop Linux, as you noted. So for example, one of the projects that we did that motivated Flutter was that we simply tried to build basic Android apps on the web. This was seven years ago now. Like, could we build an exact replica of the Android calendar? Could we build an exact replica of the Android calculator? And we found we couldn't. You just could not pixel for pixel. You couldn't get the drawer control. You couldn't get the ink splash. Again, this was seven years ago, and the web continues to evolve. And to touch on your desktop point, yes, total. I mean, the Linux community is always this sort of like uh, double-edged sword. You get all this choice. But then, you know, sometimes it is nice to have sort of a common set of foundations to build around. We struggled with that with Flutterers too, because we come from the web. The web is just infinite choice. And we tried to help developers not have to install 87 packages before they could run Hello World, right? We wanted to have a unified development experience from the beginning. That's why we built things like Flutter Doctor. So you install the Flutter tool and you run Flutter Doctor and it just keeps helping you until you're fully set up. We started actually with JavaScript. I'm sort of telling three stories at once here, but like we started from forking the web and we started with JavaScript and we built two whole versions of Flutter. I mean, this is years ago, so they weren't as complete as they are today, but like two whole frameworks in JavaScript and then threw them away because we weren't able to get what we wanted out of the JavaScript experience. And I can go into that if you like. And so we found a different language. And it was this just repeated set of choices where we would try to build something and decide that it wasn't good enough for the developer or when we brought it to various developers inside Google, we saw them struggle with it. And so we'd go back to the drawing board and build something better. You mentioned that you initially took the JavaScript as one of technology choices. I also heard you said that you're also proud of all the tooling around and was the developer experience in the end. That's also a big thing. And I guess that that also brings us to Dart as language that came out of Google like quite a while ago, if I'm correct. Can you give us a bit of an intro? I mean, that's also from a very practical perspective, someone listening and wanting to get into the technology stack and all that. And I mean, one of the things that they will face, they will face Dart, which I think is not a big thing, at least, you know, that has been in our company all the time that 
you should not be afraid or know just about technologies and languages and all that. And it can be, you know, learned without any issues. But yeah, if you can talk a bit more about that. I think that I agree with you that I think sort of once you're in the tech industry and you've done it for, you know, 10 or 20 years, you realize that you just learn another language every year. But I do think that for folks starting out, it can be daunting and be like, oh, I just learned one language. How do I have to learn yet another one? I think the good news is, is that all the research studies that we've done is Dart is fantastically easy to learn. And if you've ever touched JavaScript or you've ever touched Java or you've ever touched basically any language with curly braces, like Dart will feel natural. It's an intentionally small language. Like it has few pieces in it to try and make it easy to learn, try and make it easy to use. Dart did have sort of a funny start to its history. It was announced by Google, oh, I want to say like eight years ago, nine years ago, maybe now. It started under Chrome. There was, you know, rumors about would it, you know, come to the web and try and replace JavaScript or anything. Obviously, none of that ever happened. But it found a home inside Google as sort of a GWT replacement. So GWT was this technology where you could take and write a bunch of Java and then translated to JavaScript. And I think it's still alive in the wild and probably quite used. But it found uptake inside Google as a replacement for that. You know, right in Dart, this is before TypeScript even existed, right? So in a type-safe language, right in Dart, and then transpile it to JavaScript and still get good JavaScript up the end. And so there's this whole ecosystem inside Google with so many developers using Dart in that mode. And in fact, AdWords, the whole thing that makes all the money is all written in Dart. And so Flutter came along much later, and we enjoyed working with the Dart team. We came to working with the Dart team after some frustrations with JavaScript, which, again, I can get into if needed. And we found a partner there who cared about developer experience, who cared about reaching uh, developers, you know, had maybe some excess resources because they weren't able to use all of the many things that they built. They were only using this one that was really well used inside Google, but hadn't, you know, found the same adoption outside. And we were able to just build a really great developer experience together. So hot reload, which is the thing that Flutter is so known for, this like sub-second time between when you save and when it appears on your iPhone, the changed app, right? And when I say changed app, I mean not restarted. I mean, on the same screen that you were, you know, 30 pages into your navigation, your app, we have changed the code out. And other technologies have developed similar things, you know, in this space. But, you know, we started with this probably five years ago with Dart, this hot reload, and it just works so well. And this came out of the Dart team. It came out of this sort of co-experimentation with lots of engineers at Google, all who cared about just making developers happy and productive and, you know, get home on time. So for the web, Dart is compiled, let's say, into JavaScript. But you said for iOS and Android platform is compiled into native code. That's correct. Which was something new that the Dart team built for us in our very early. So when we were using JavaScript, one of the frustrations that we had was around startup time. So we made the choice to build all of Flutter, or as much as possible, in the same language as your app. This, again, was fighting a frustration that we had with the web and with other systems where you like jump to definition and you eventually hit a brick wall, where you just can't get into the like bundle of C++ or even maybe the same bundle of language, but it's like obscured off into some secret code base that you can't see. And having fought that on other platforms, we wanted to build something that was heavily layered. You know, we thought a lot about the layers so that you could use, you know, any one of them or use some of the lower ones without using the upper ones. So we built this very layered system that was all in Dart or originally all in JavaScript. But as it got bigger, we started seeing like 12 second startup times you know, with JavaScript that just wasn't scalable. 
And we took the V8 code base and we hacked it up just like we had with Chrome. And we, you know, tried to make it fast and turned on all the bells and whistles and we got it a little bit faster. But we sort of realized that like the giant weight of JavaScript was like pulling in a different direction than we were pulling in. And so that is part of what caused us to evaluate a whole bunch of different languages and ended up picking Dart. Again, because Dart was a language that we could, you know, co-evolve with. And one of the early evolutions was that when we presented this problem to the team of, hey, we need to start up fast on iOS, as fast or faster than the, like, the native apps or the pre-installed apps. And they were like, oh, sure, we can AOT compile Dart. It was like, you can. And so they did. And, you know, it was a very rudimentary compiler in the first pass. And they've made it significantly better. And they've experimented actually in backending into LLVM, you know, if necessary. It doesn't currently today. It has a custom backend. But yeah, Dart has two modes. Well, <laughs> Dart has many modes, but uh, the modes that you know we're most talking about for like mobile development is either they have a JIT that runs on the phone, or they ahead of time compile, AOT compile, the Dart code to just a library, just a normal ARM binary. And then similarly, they also have multiple modes on the website where they can ahead of time whole program optimization compile into a single.js file for when you want to deploy. But they also have this mode where they will compile every single separate Dart file into its own .js file with like very minimal optimizations. Obviously, that serves a ton of Dart when you're working on a large application, but it allows you to also rapidly iterate. The team has just, again, focusing on that developer experience first, been able to iterate with us to do the right thing for the developer. And that's been great. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break here and tell you that Semaphore has a new book out called CI/CD with Docker and Kubernetes. If you are looking to deploy cloud-native apps, it's going to show you the most productive way of doing that. And the best of all, it's free. Download your free copy today at semaphoreci.com. And continuing on this, let's say, section about developer experience, as iOS, Android are moving along, introducing new APIs, how is Dart as a programming language, let's say Flutter as a platform, following that, catching up, and maybe also like, was the developer experience with interacting with that OS level things? Is a standard library then catching up or? So we as a team have like sort of four founding principles we talk about. We talk about beautiful, we talk about fast, we talk about open, and the open here is the one I want to talk about because you should be able to always do anything the device can do. And so although we mostly concentrate on the pixels, you should be able to get out to the underlying operating system. So we actually run Flutter on a separate thread from the underlying operating system. And that, again, was a reaction to the web where one of the things that used to happen a lot on the web, and I think this has gotten better, is that your JavaScript would get inter interrupted the browser was doing something or the network was doing something. And so you sort of didn't have control of your own thread. And so we pushed the user's code, the app developer's code, off onto their own separate thread. And then the way that you communicate back to the rest of the operating system, which may be you know, out to lunch on the original thread you came from, is through asynchronous message passing. And so a Flutter app is just an iOS app. It's just an Android app. It's just an Ubuntu app. I mean, in Ubuntu, it's a GTK app. And it's just a view. So you just have an Android view or an iOS view, and it's just a window into OpenGL or a window into Metal or a window into Vulkan that you know runs like Unity would or like any of these game engines would, its own separate thread with its own separate language. And then you can write as much 
GTK as you want. You can write as much Kotlin as you want, but you do have to call out to that through a message passing system. And this is where plugins come in. This is where the community come in. You go to pub.dev, which is our sort of community site where you see all these plugins. And that's where you can find, you know, 15,000 existing plugins, small compared to, you know, the known community, but growing quickly, many of which help you with these sorts of things. So like, if you're just trying to do a little bit of Bluetooth, you can go find a good implementation of that. But if your whole app is about Bluetooth, well, you just go and write a bunch of GTK code, where you go write a bunch of iOS code or write a bunch of Android code. So in terms of keeping up, it's been a worry that has been common. And, you know, I've talked to customers about this for forever, but the actual keeping up has not been that hard because generally we're not the slowest deer to move, right? And these companies have to announce, hey, we're going to do X. And they're like, oh, sure, we'll do X. I think what the actual underlying question is, it's an incentive question. It's who do you keep up with the most, right? And I think when we were just iOS and Android, it was very obvious. We do all the iOS things and we do all the Android things. I think that will be increasingly a challenge in the coming years because you may find us, we'll do all of the iOS things and all the Android things. It may require other companies like Canonical to do all of the Ubuntu things because just the incentives of a large team. I hope all to our listeners also, to me, it's clear, you know, that direction of cooperating with the environment that the app runs in. And I hear something in one of the interviews with you that I couldn't wrap my head around. If I understood it correctly, it's possible to, in the existing iOS Android app, that you bring Flutter in and then, okay, I cannot wrap my mind around that. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally correct. So there, we're maybe a little bit more like a web view. It's dangerous to use that analogy because we share no code with Chrome anymore. So like none of that original fork code, it's all gone. The only things we share with Chrome or with Android or with any of these other systems are things like Skia. So we use Skia because Skia is just industry standard at this point as a way of drawing 2D pixels. How does Flutter interoperate? So we're just a view, just like WebView is just a view. We're much lighter weight, obviously, and you can just throw us in. The best way to use this typically in that mode is a full screen but people do use Flutter for just part of screen, or you can even use it just for a button. But I think that why I recommend full screen is that when we have seen teams inside Google do that, they quickly find that they have tasted the sacred fruit or whatever by touching the Flutter side. And it's very difficult to context switch back out of that and have to write one of your buttons in one language and one of your buttons in a faster, more productive development environment that Flutter offers. And so I think that teams tend to switch whole screens at a time, and then the whole screens tend to sort of consume their app, is what we've seen inside Google, is that people try Flutter, and then they love it, and they fall in love with it, and they just use it for more and more. The other, I guess, disadvantage for just using it for a button is that in an add-to-app scenario, which is how we sort of term that, that first pixel is always the most expensive pixel, right? Because you have to bring along the engine, and the engine is, depending on how you measure, five to eight megs. And, you know, that can be a lot for some apps. For some apps, that's nothing. And so you should bring it along when it's worth it to bring it along. Okay, that's clear. I can now understand it to some extent. So you take over, let's say, a part of the screen or the whole screen, and it can run along. Okay. One of the things I want to ask, it's related to how interactive with the UI. So all the controls are controls of Flutter. And then all the testing tools, and we have a lot of views here. So testing all that interaction with animations and all that, I heard that from customers, can be expensive to run. You also have to fight with various asynchronous things and so on. 
to be more concrete, I want to ask generally about the testing culture frameworks and what's generally the testing philosophy for Flutter apps. One of your previous guests, I think the gentleman's name was John Reed, talked about being testing infected. I will tell you, I am testing infected. I think it came early from my sort of web experience. But once I sort of learned how powerful testing was in terms of just not having me make the same mistake twice, I really got into it. I remember when I used to work on the web, the web was very easy in some sense to test because you just took the HTML page and you just kept feeding it through the web engine, you know, every time and hope you got the same result or expected you get the same result. So we started from a very testing friendly culture. We tried for a while to have 100% coverage. The coverage tool that we were using on the internet broke. And so I think we sort of lost track of our coverage at some point, but it's still way high. We've also built a whole bunch of layers of testing, more layers of testing than is possible to build with other frameworks. So for example, because we built this also layered and because it's portable, you can run visual UI tests for your mobile application in the background on your desktop. Because of course we do headless. And of course we can just chop off the pixel part and they run blazingly fast because you don't have to like start up a whole simulator for every button click you want to test because we of course can cross compile to the desktop. So yeah, so we have unit tests at the like language level. We have unit tests at the widget level. That's part of what I was alluding to of that you can just run all your visual widget tests. We have integration tests. We have golden file testing, both textual as well as uh, pixel tests. We got tests coming out of our ears, intentionally so, for our own usage. And then of course we expose all of these to the developers. I will tell you, and maybe just because we haven't reached your audience yet, when we look at the sort of analytic stats, testing is way down on the list, much to my sort of lament of what we see our users using. But if you want to do testing, we got all the testing bells and whistles you could want, certainly because Google is also a super heavy testing culture. When we release Flutter to the outside world, we develop everything on GitHub, but we take that master branch and you know we check it and then we deploy it inside Google. And to get all the way through Google, it has to pass through hundreds of thousands of tests before it even becomes a dev channel, which is, you know, our sort of like first public release. I mean, it always was public, but, you know, first approved release. So, yeah, we're big testing nuts, I guess is the short answer. Yeah. And I think it was John Reed that you already mentioned. When he entered the iOS world, he was not happy with, you know, the testing culture, you know, where it was. And speaking with the developers who are using Flutter, where are you in that area? Like, how happy are you about the testing culture? I guess I don't spend a lot of time sort of evaluating the culture of the developers who use Flutter. I spend more of my time, I guess, preoccupied with the testing culture on the team, which, again, I think is very good. And then I get a lot of pull from the testing culture inside Google because the Google has a very strong testing culture, at least in my experience. I've never actually worked, despite being at Google for 13 years, I've never actually worked inside Google proper. Like I've never done to like massive internal code base, you know, any significant changes. So I'm maybe not the best to speak for that, but my perception is I get a lot of pull, a lot of requests for, you know, better testing from that side. So I'm pretty happy with that. I do suspect that there is uh, room for making testing easier for just the every developer and, you know, further cultural evangelism around testing, because certainly, again, I've been bitten by the testing bug and I can't go back. Some of my career I spent programming Ruby and Rails. And I mean, the important thing is when the framework comes, the tooling is there and everything is ready. You just need to create another file, write your tests, you know, check 
what's happening. So that's a huge thing. And some of the people who are entering Flutter, their first exposure, that's their kind of first stack. I have heard that, and that's very interesting. So maybe you can give us some terms of practical advice. 2021, someone is opening their browser <laughs> and starting their Flutter journey. What piece of advice can you give? I would say to any of your listeners, if you haven't tried Flutter, it's worth a couple hours on a weekend, right? Just to experience what development built in 2016 is like. You know, maybe you'll never use it. Maybe you don't have a use for it. But I believe that we have successfully pushed development forward some. And I think that cross-platform correctly gets a terrible rap. And I think that we have tried to right many of those sins, you know, and make multi-platform development a lot better and produce a lot better output for the users. You're right that a large percentage of our user base is sort of first time, you know, coming to mobile. Some of them had tried mobile before and failed. I think because mobile development is harder than it needs to be. And so we're seeing particularly Flutter is huge in growth markets. So the Indias, China's, Brazil, Africa, just the graphs are vertical sometimes. And we've seen much slower uptake in more established markets. I think where people already have iOS teams, already have Android teams. But I would tell those listeners, again, it's worth a few hours of your time, you know, just for the self-education, even if you never use it. Because I do think we bring a new voice to the table and I think it can inform your other development decisions. If I were listening to this podcast and I'd not tried Flutter, I would make a goal to try it in 2021, even if you hate it. And then, you know, please tweet at me and we'll fix it. Before the call, I checked on Google Trends, React Native versus Flutter. And Flutter is about to overtake React Native on Google Trends. So that's one sign that something big is happening. Okay, and to wrap up for this year, any big releases coming? Any bigger movements that community can expect in Flutter world? You know, it's so funny. We do things, everything in the open source, but we have these yearly sort of events to sort of announce uh, you know, all the many amazing things that have happened in the last few months or some in the last year within the community and within the project. But yeah, everything's open. <laughs> so like, if you're paying attention to the source code, you will see it coming, you know, for months in advance. But I think 2021, the two biggest things on my mind in terms of the source code are we have more work to do in terms of performance, including on iOS. There's just always more work to do, but there's specifically has some work to do there. And web. Web and really the desktop parts that web pulls in, because you can't do web without having some amount of mouse and keyboard affordances. We've done quite a bit, but there's always more to do. And so I think we're going to be spending a lot, a lot, a lot of time on web in this next year. Again, that graph is vertical right now. And, you know, I'm sure my team is dealing with today is all the influx of web users and all the many wonderful suggestions that they bring. Well, thank you for this conversation. I would say from my perspective, it's a very brave battle or you're entering a battle, or you're in a battle that requires lots of bravery. From my perspective, all those UI kits of the world that existed and uh, exist, so it's not easy to find a place in that world and solve all those challenges. I wish you good luck with adoption, and I hope that many listeners will try Flutter. And yeah, again, thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here.